everyone. Welcome back to Health Affairs This Week. I'm Leslie Erdelak. And I'm Chris Fleming. So Chris, we're doing an episode today on surprise billing, but before we get into it, there's a brand new issue of Health Affairs out this week that I'm really excited about. And it's a special issue on border and immigrant health. And, you know, it's the first time we've ever published a dedicated issue that really looks at some of the dynamics around migration and health policy. I know I've been working on this issue all year, along with Jess Bylander, our colleague, and um, a voice you probably recognize from the podcast. So it's been really gratifying, I think, to be able to highlight all this new research and commentary focusing on populations at the U.S.-Mexico border, of course, but also looking kind of beyond the border, too, and thinking about some of the far-reaching effects that different policies have on immigrants living in the U.S. So go check out our July issue uh, on border and immigrant health. We're going to drop a link in the show notes to a page that has all of our featured content, along with the details about two upcoming events, one on July 12th, the other one on July 20th, where you can hear from some of the authors who contributed to the issue. That sounds great. I've uh, I've actually had the privilege of seeing the, uh, the work in the new issue. It's a, a wonderful accomplishment. Congratulations uh, to you and to Jess and everyone who worked on it. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned today, we also want to talk about uh, an only slightly less significant accomplishment, uh, the No Surprises Act. Uh, and as you all know, uh, as everybody knows, uh, politics has become more and more polarized these days. And uh, the politics around health policy are no exception, unfortunately, to that rule. Uh, so it was a big deal uh, when Congress came together on a bipartisan basis at the end of last year in December 2020 uh, to enact the No Surprises Act. Uh, the legislation addressed a huge problem. Uh, consumers often think that they're covered uh, by their insurance policy, but then are hit by big uh, out-of-network bills from a provider that they didn't choose. Yeah, that's right. And chances are, you know, you've probably heard about these patients who end up with surprise medical bills. There's that sort of notorious article about this family that got a bill for $36,000 after their nine-year-old sustained a really bad fall during a hiking trip, and he had to be flown to the hospital in a helicopter. Um, and so, you know, while it's true that these ambulance rides, you know, are, are often to blame for unexpected bills, surprise billing uh, itself is a really common practice in healthcare, and for that reason, you had legislators on both sides wanting better consumer protections. So I know we want to talk about the No Surprises Act and a new rule just issued by the Biden administration that kind of spells out some of the particulars of the law and how it actually translates into a ban on surprise medical bills. But first, do you want to maybe explain what surprise bills are and how people end up with them? Sure. Uh you know, out-of-network uh, surprise medical bills are also known as balance bills, uh, and they arise when a consumer inadvertently or unknowingly receives care from a provider like a physician or a facility such as a hospital uh, that is not within their plan's uh, network. Now, you might get a surprise bill after being taken to the closest emergency room, which happens to be out-of-network, uh, or you can do everything right, do everything you're supposed to do. You can schedule surgery with an in-network surgeon at an in-network hospital, uh, but then you're asleep and you get treated by an out-of-network anesthesiologist or an assistant surgeon who's out-of-network, and 
voila, you know, you end up with a balanced bill uh, at the end of the day anyway. So, you know, these surprise bills or balanced bills, they're a big deal. Uh, Out-of-network providers and facilities typically charge a higher rate to insurers than in-network providers, and that leads to higher cost sharing for consumers. And if, you know, as we were just alluding to, if an insurer refuses to pay uh, the out-of-network provider's charge, then the provider can seek to recover the balance by billing the patient and hence the term balance billing. Yeah, you said it. You know, it's, it's a big deal. The problem is really widespread. Millions of patients get these bills every year. And about one in five ED visits involves an out-of-network provider with the potential balance bill averaging a little more than $600. And with a lot of adults in the U.S. saying that they're worried about being able to afford large bills from their healthcare providers, what this really amounts to, I think, is a huge financial burden for patients because of medical emergencies and, you know, situations that are totally beyond their control. Um, And so even though lawmakers on Capitol Hill recognized surprise billing as a serious problem, it took years to get this legislation passed. And then they finally did. And that you know, of course, came in the form of the No Surprises Act. So do you want to maybe highlight a few of the important provisions for us? Sure. Uh, the No Surprises Act, and better late than never, uh, it, it, that the law aims to protect patients from some of the most pervasive uh, types of balance bills for emergency services, uh, including by air ambulances, uh, although not, as we'll talk about in more detail later, and importantly, uh, not ground ambulances. Uh, they, uh, the law covers some services after the patient stabilized and it covers non-emergency services at in-network facilities, unless, uh, the patient consents to treatment by an out-of-network provider. Uh, now under the law, patients, uh, who are treated by out-of-network, uh, facilities or providers, they're only responsible for the cost sharing, uh, that they would have paid if the service had been provided by an in-network provider and providers and facilities, uh, as we've discuss can't send balance bills to patients uh, to collect a higher amount. So people are saying that this new law effectively bans the practice of surprise billing. And I saw in an interview that the HHS secretary actually said that the provisions in this law are as meaningful as anything we've done on healthcare since the Affordable Care Act. And I think that's a pretty dramatic statement. Um, but nothing has quite gone into effect, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the law doesn't take effect uh, until January 1st, uh, 2022, at the beginning of next year. Uh, but that's pretty soon in, in terms of preparing for uh, this kind of a shift. Uh, so there's been significant pressure to get uh, the implementing regulations out so that various stakeholders can understand their rights and their obligations. Uh, in fact, Congress set actually a July uh, 1st, 2021 uh, deadline for regulations implementing parts of the law. And last week, four federal agencies, the Departments of Health and Human Services, Labor and Treasury, and the Office of Personnel Management uh, issued those regulations. The agencies used a mechanism called an interim final rule, which is a faster way of getting regulations out the door than the usual method of issuing a proposed rule, considering comments, uh, and then several months later issuing the final rule. Uh, The interim final rule that was issued last week, it has a 60-day comment period, but it's expected to be finalized as written. Okay. And as I understand it, this is just the beginning. So we know that these federal agencies are going to be working on additional regulations 
to implement the law over the next few months. But what does this rule cover? Well, it's very long and complex, uh, has a lot of important provisions. So we'll just touch on some of the highlights. Uh, if a plan uh, covers emergency services at all, uh, it must do so without prior authorization and regardless of whether a provider or a facility participates in the plan's network. And insurers can't deny coverage for emergency care after the fact, uh, which is a policy that United Healthcare recently announced before rolling it back after backlash. Now, I mentioned uh, that, the, that under the No Surprises Act, consumer cost sharing for out-of-network services can't be higher than in-network levels. The new rule uh, sort of goes further and says that such uh, cost sharing must count towards any in-network deductibles and out-of-pocket maximums. Uh, more specifically, there's a, a way that consumer cost sharing uh, is calculated. It's based on the lesser of the amount uh, billed by the provider or an amount uh, that's called in the rule the qualifying payment amount. And that's simply, well, not simply, nothing is quite as simple as one would think in these kind of rules, but it's generally the median amount paid by the insurer or the health plan for the service that's involved in the geographic area that's involved. Uh, now, there are special rules uh, in certain circumstances, for instance, when there are all payer agreements that are in effect. As we've noted earlier, consumers can't be balanced billed by providers. Uh, under the law and the rule, consumers are taken out of the middle of these payment disputes, which then become an issue between providers and insurers. Now, there are only a handful of exceptions to this uh, policy, most notably uh, when the patient actually knowingly consents to being treated by an out-of-network provider and thus agrees to pay the extra charges for a balance bill. Yeah, and people were also quick to point out you know, that the rules issued last week don't really address arbitration, which, of course, has been a major point of contention. So the fine print, in other words, you know, how do you settle these disputes all of that is going to get covered in the forthcoming rules issued by the other agencies that are involved in this process. And that's, again, coming from the secretary at HHS. And I thought it was interesting, as the Washington Post and, and others have reported, insurers and provider groups are still lobbying to try to make these regulations work more in their favor. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But on the consumer side, you know, what else does this rule say? I think there seems like there's a deliberate effort to make things more transparent. You know, the, the interim final rule, it deals mostly with the consumer facing side of things. Uh, it deals with the ways that insurers and health plans, providers, uh, facilities, uh, the ways they must notify consumers uh, of their rights under the No Surprises Act. And it sets forth uh, the circumstances under which consumers can waive these rights. It also sets out the requirements for a complaint system that HHS is required under the law to set up when consumers uh, feel their rights have been violated, so they have an avenue to pursue that. Now, it's worth noting uh, that some states actually have their own laws for dealing with surprise billing, and the No Surprises Act provides a floor in terms of consumer protections. Uh, it displaces state laws that provide less protection to consumers than it does, but it doesn't displace uh, state laws that provide more protection. Uh, now, as you uh, alluded to, as if everything in this rule wasn't enough, uh, there are other rules to come. There's a rule that we uh, should expect pretty soon, a uh, proposed rule uh, dealing with air ambulances, uh, and that just actually arrived yesterday uh, for a final review at the Office of Management and Budget, which so that would be July 7th, since we're recording on July 8th. Uh, and there'll be another interim final rule, and you alluded to this as well, Leslie, 
uh, on the structure of negotiations between uh, insurers and providers on payment and the uh, the independent dispute resolution mechanism that the law uh, calls for in the event that negotiations fail. And that rule is going to be hugely important because uh, the terms that, that the rule uh, sets out are going to have a, a tremendous effect on uh, things like market structures, premiums, negotiations over networks. So there are a lot of uh, players, as you can imagine, who are watching very closely what the, that rule is going to say and trying to influence it in one way or another. Uh, now, the No Surprises Act itself left uh, a big unfinished item of business. It covers air ambulances, but not regular old ground ambulances. And that's a big deal uh, because there are tremendous numbers of patients who use uh, ambulances and are potentially affected uh, by ambulance bills. Uh, the ambulance industry is very complex and fragmented. Uh, ambulance operators uh, range all the way from local governments to for-profit companies, including, a, uh, as in many areas of healthcare, a significant and growing private equity presence. So uh, under the No Surprises Act, there's a federal committee, an advisory committee, that's supposed to be convened to produce recommendations on how to protect consumers from ambulance bills. But uh, it's important to note this committee hasn't been announced yet. Yeah, I was surprised actually to hear you say that that rule that w- that dealt specifically with the um, with the air ambulances came out. I, I wasn't aware of that. I hadn't checked it out. So, way to do your no, homework. No, it, it it has not. Oh, it has not come out yet. Okay. Uh, it was dropped at the Office of Management and Budget, which is the sort of final stage of review uh, oh, before so it comes out. So it's in their out. hands. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we'll also have to wait and see, I think, what kind of impact these changes have on bills for other services, including things like childbirth and newborn hospitalizations, which are, you know, in addition to those ambulance rides, another frequent source of surprise bills. So all of that being said, Chris, lots of additional rulemaking to monitor over the next few months, but it seems like the response to this initial rule was um, overwhelmingly positive, I think in part because it was so long overdue. So I, I think we'll leave it there. You know, thanks for listening. Thanks, Chris. If you like the episode, tell a friend and we'll be back next week. Thanks, Leslie. And thanks everyone for listening.